Good morning. I love getting applause just for standing up and walking. <laughs> it's kind of neat. So it's good to be with you again today. Um, I hope I didn't scare off anybody last week. <laughs> Look around. We had a great time last week, I think. How many people agree? We got together and talked. It was so wonderful seeing the way everyone engaged with each other and the conversations that went forth. That was a thumbs up. And I was kind of nervous. I'm like, I hope this goes over. I hope this goes over. So no fear. We won't do that today. But it's coming back. All right. But before I get started, I just want to share real quickly that um, I announced a few weeks ago that uh, Jessica Richardson, Richardson was leaving the position of our church administrator. She was always intended, she was only intended to be in that role for a very short time, and I think it's turned into 18 months or so that she's with us. So she got me through my initial transition. I love you, thank you very much. And she is. So we will, um, she's not done yet. We'll do an official thank you, um, thank you and not goodbye, goodbye from that role. Jessica is very much a part of our community and remaining. Um, but I want to share with you that we, that in this week you'll receive some information about um, the new position. We're titled it Director of Operations because the role is, I don't know if you've noticed, the role is huge. And so we needed to add some hours to it. So so now it's grown from being a 15-hour position to a 25-hour position. Um, in the past, we have only hired within, but now we want to open it up and extend it to outside as well. Um, we want to ensure that uh, we have the best services, and we want to make sure it's good for the church. So we're just trying to look at this position. Um, I just talk honestly. Y'all know that, right? So... So one of the things that folks, uh, council members have noted is that um, Jessica is one of the only folks who has held this position and is still with us. And so I need to say a couple of things. Uh, and it just starts out with me being sister girl around the way. Folks, we got to ease up on our admin. You know, there's, there's a lot of things that go on and, you know, I, I joke with the council, but I'm um, kind of serious. Sometimes, you know, we have a mindset that we are like a million-dollar church, you know? And in truth, we're a quarter-million-dollar church. And we, it's good to have high expectations. Please don't get me wrong. Um, but we have to understand that, you know, Gabriel works 10 hours a week. Um, our youth specialist, Jamie, works seven hours a week. I'm supposed to work 40, but y'all don't care, I know. Um, <laughs> so you're getting paid, don't worry about it. Um, but we want, this community of faith is a community of faith for all of us, whether members or not. And so we want to safeguard and, and take care of one another. It is my deep desire that everyone in this church feel a sense of belonging, that we know each other. Now, while I can't know any, everyone personally, I, I can try. And I would love again to have coffee. Um, we have connections within the house, this house of faith. And we have a responsibility to let one another know when somebody's not doing all right, you know? 
we talk about that kind of stuff. So we gather around because, you know, there's been that, um, I keep getting this thing on Facebook from when we first started this series and I like it. It just simply says, you belong. You belong right here. And we want to ensure that that is healthy and well. Okay? So you will see the job description. I'm going to send it to everybody because we need you to network your friends. Okay? It is, we call it an operations role because pretty much they oversee it. The whole shebang with me. Um, just Jessica has been eyes and ears for me on many things, and I appreciate it. Um, so it'll grow. I want you're going to see it on Facebook. It's going to it's on Indeed. You're going to see it in lots of places. So tell people about it so we can get some resumes in, and tell people you think will fit in our community. Okay, because that's really important. Um, the hope is while we're opening it up outside, the hope is. Maybe after a while they decide to join with us, you know, and become a part. Amen? Amen. Amen. All righty. Um, let's talk. I need you guys to pray me through today. Um, it's been a full week, and I've been rushing and rushing, and I finally finished everything. I was running downstairs to come in here, and I was like, the Lord just kind of tapped me on the shoulder, and I have the sense that I missed something that he was trying to share. She was trying to share with me. Okay. And I know you all have had those feelings, right? Yeah, so pray. So pray for me. So as I'm like, Lord, I'm listening, and I'm forgive me if there was some direction you want me to take us in, and I missed it. So please join me in prayer. Our God and Father, you are the authority of this place. Our God, whose mother, you are the authority of this place. You nurture us. You keep us. You support us. And so we ask you in the fullness of who you are, to have your way. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here this day. Uh, speak through me, speak through us, uh, that we um, will be closer to you and be more like Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. All right, okay, so last week we talked about holding tension. And we talked a little bit about politics. I said politics was a negotiation of our life together, unlike the public politics or the national politics that are being practiced. Um, to do politics means we hold tension with the agreements that we've made um, because we understand that the negotiation that we had today, the things that we agreed upon today, are only moving us closer, we hope, to our vision of tomorrow, right? Um, so I said last week, today's agreement may ask sacrifices from individuals or some groups of people, but they're not unlimited forever sacrifices, that we have a responsibility, this is what I mean by holding tension, that if you are, you want to go for the win-win, but if we can't get the win-win and we get as close as we can, we have to recognize that somebody may be suffering. There may be some inequity or injustice that that it continues and I know as a person of color you know people will say well you know we got this or you got that you should be happy about that and I'm like I'm 54 years old <laughs> the clock is ticking on my life and there's some things I want to see in the course of my life in terms of equality so no I'm not happy with that I'm not satisfied it reminds me of the letter uh, that Dr. King wrote uh, from the Birmingham jail, you know? 
when all the, a lot of ministers got together and put an ad in the paper telling him to slow down. It'll be all right. God is moving. And he wrote that letter saying, no, it's not enough, and encouraging people to do that. Why is that significant? Because sitting amongst us are people with great skills, abilities, vision. And when one group is not allowed to come forth, then we have a whole group of people. In our schools, we have a whole bunch of kids that have not been treated and educated to the degree that they should be. And we miss out on that. Our nation is not as full, is not what it could be because people have been left behind. We talk about an American dream, but we've so individualized it. And some people never see it, that it's not enough. It has to be a whole dream for all of us. Amen? All right. Um, so, so the holding tension is recognizing that we're not there yet and that I have a responsibility to look for, um, to recognize value and justice. And last week we talked about in holding tension how we have to remember the sacrifices, right? And so I suggested that our guide for our politics, again, politics being the ne negotiation of our life together, is on meditating upon um, the world that we hope our politics will bring about. Okay, and I talked about Philippians 4.8. I said this, we meditate on our vision of the world. We rehearse that, that vision in our minds. And as we hold the tension of what is against the tension of the vision of tomorrow, we ask ourselves, how am I or we dealing with one another? Is it honorable? What has to change to make it honorable? And is it time? Does it represent having justice and right relationships with one another? What has to change and is it time? Is the thing we're deciding on, the way we carry about our culture, our ethic, is, is it moral? Are we behaving in moral and ethical ways? What has to change? Is it time? Does a decision or action demonstrate God's second commandment to love my neighbor just like I love myself. What has to change? Is it time? Will those watching us commend us for our process and our efforts and the consideration that we put in? And what do we have to do? Is it time for change? Is this process worthy of praise? And if not, what has to change? And is it time? People are suffering. People are living outside of their destiny. Opportunity can be limited. Sometimes it feels like the clock is going backwards instead of forwards. And as individuals and groups suffer, so our Christ suffers. For he says, as we do it unto the least of these, So in some ways, now is always the time, because it's always the time for those considerations. Right? The community has a responsibility to one another and to God to respond, but we have to respond in a way that's gentle, that's not consumed in worry, and we have to pray specific prayers. 
for individuals and people. Last week, we held tension together as we discussed anti-racism, our, our, our thoughts on anti-racism and inclusion in small groups. I mean, I invite, I left all the posters up because I want people to just go around and read what, what the other groups had to say. We aren't done with these, we're gonna come back to it, okay? But we did learn or remember some things, okay? We remembered that we can talk like this and not be injured. Is that true? We can share our experience um, and not be harmed, that sharing opens doors to others holding tension with me and with us, um, that they're inbreakings of the kingdom of God. And I feel like last week we experienced a bit of that inbreaking when we dare to talk about things like politics and like those issues that people keep their mouths closed about. So, this week, I'm here again with um, my Bible, so to speak, written in my pages, but in one hand, and a newspaper in the other. I was talking to a girlfriend this week about uh, what we talked about last week and um, the need I feel in my soul to talk about what's happening in our country. And she very seriously warned me against talking about stuff like this. She was like, you know, there are two things. Um, not knowing us, that it's just dangerous to talk about stuff like this in church. And then the second, her knowing me, knowing that my conversation will go from the pulpit into the streets. Um, and if you see my Facebook page, you know. Um, it was interesting. My first response to her was, have you been sleeping? <laughs> do you not know me? When you look at me, what do you see? My very existence is political. I am a woman. I am black. I am working class. I am a political statement. I am in this church, first woman, female, black person, pastor of a congregation that some consider a white congregation. I am political. So if you didn't want to talk about politics, well, too late. I'm not leaving. <laughs> but the other thing is, seriously, well, I'm serious about that as well. My life is political. I have to negotiate the places and spaces I go into. It's just, it's just the nature of life in these United States. Um, and so I'm very much concerned about the agreements that we have as a nation. We talked last week ab about Congress a little bit. And I, and I walked a tightrope. I'm going to try to walk that tightrope again today. All right? Y'all pray for me. Um, so we're center set, right? Jesus is the center of our community, right? So as people who believe in Christ... We acknowledge, you know, there was a prayer breakfast this, this week, right? National prayer breakfast. And the minister preached on loving your enemies, which is a very timely sermon. We need it. We need to be reminded. But sometimes we think that the, the, the setup for that national prayer breakfast, um, the organization of it is very conservative. I've been. 
the actual application can be very much um, open when people are really seeking God and want to pray for the country. There are those who are trying to navigate the, the, the partisan my side versus your side thing, but there are more people in my experience, there have been more people who said, no, we're just going to come naked before God and pray for our nation. Okay, so I was offended. Now, I think one of the checks the Lord is putting in my spirit today is that I'm still offended, but I shouldn't act in offense. Okay? So I have concern because the preacher was talking and preaching the words of Christ. And our president got up and said, I have to disagree with you. And it's not that, you know, it, the venue is a Christian venue. And it's not that you disagree with the preacher, it's disagreeing with the Lord. And that's one thing. What I'm concerned about is that the people in the room didn't say anything. That's what I'm concerned about. I don't think you have to be disrespectful to disagree. But to be quiet and then to find other places to clap, that, that doesn't sit well with me, okay? Am I still walking my tight right rope okay? All right. And then the guy said, I hate when people of faith, or I do not like, I wrote it down somewhere over here. I do not like when people of faith use their faith to kind of cover up for wrongdoing. I don't like that kind of stuff either. But he was actually talking about Mitt Romney, I think. Court of law, can't say he did it, am I okay? All right. <laughs> <laughs> so I have respect for this reason. I, have, I, I, I may have agreement with Mitt on, on, on some other things in terms of the impeachment, but that the thing that he toiled over was his faith in the midst of great uh, disagreement with people who will hurt him and did what he should do. The second thing was not liking people who say they're going to pray for you, but they don't. I don't like that stuff either, honestly. And I catch myself, oh, I'm praying. No, I'm going to pray. <laughs> Try to change that around. I'm going to pray for you, you know, because it's easy to slip out, right? But Nancy prays, prays for the nation. She's very serious about this thing. She's third in charge of the country. So when you don't know, Maybe you don't know, or maybe your life has, has yielded that people are so phony that it won't happen. But you came into the Christian venue with that stuff. And scripture tells me that if you have a problem with somebody, you don't do this first. You go to the individuals first. And I like that. So I can safely say, beyond the politics, the way we are treating one another, to not say, you know, you really need to take that up with Mitch. You need to talk, take that up with Nancy. And yeah, we really need you to do that. Seriously. Who can hold you accountable to do that? 
because this is on a national stage. We need that topic. And we can talk about all the other subjects, but we got to treat each other with respect. So it makes me concerned. It makes me concerned as we go into this, this season. It makes me concerned as a person of color about, I'll be honest with y'all, about my life. Our time is going to be a changing. I, I hate the fact that, that we have a voter's right act and not an amendment to the Constitution. Because it says people can change their minds. And where does that put me? It has to be renewed every so often. I'm like, how dare you? But I've crossed. that was me starting to cross over. Pull it back, pull it back. So to not act in offense, I believe we have to do some things. And one of the things that we need to do, or the main thing we need to do and we'll do today, is pray. Okay? Let's pray for all of us. Um, because we have a church and we say we can disagree about the non-essentials, um, but the way people are treated in the world is not a non-essential. It is very important, and God has had a lot, wrote a book about it. <laughs> so, um, so let's pray right now for our nation. Our God, we, we come before you on behalf of our nation, not with a, a partisan us against the world. No, Lord, you create the entire world, and we want to fulfill the role and the purposes that we're on earth to fulfill. Our deepest desire is to demonstrate that kingdom, to, to allow it to break in and be seen so people will know that you really are alive and move in your people in ways that, that, that move toward justice and equality and care and redemption. So we ask your redemption for our nation and the things that we have been experiencing in this in, in these last years, but in the years before, Lord, because we want to move forward. There is a tension that exists in this country, Lord, where we divide between the, the, them and us, Father, when you've called us to, to try to move toward a win-win, that all your people will have our needs met, that we will walk in the shalom, nothing missing, nothing broken of God. Lord, we cry out for that today. We need you and your direction for that. Not in a way that says people have to fit and we can check off the blocks of their lives because they fit with, with what we think Christianity is, Father. All the dictums and, and things that are not important. But this one, Lord, that love reigns, that love rules. When there were so many things you could have said, you said, love the Lord with your full heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. Help us to do that, Lord. Lord, we cry out names before you this morning. Marie Yovanovitch, Fiona Hill, George Kent, Michael McKinley, George um, Sondland, Bill Taylor, Laura Cooper, Philip Reacher, Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman and his twin brother, Christopher Anderson, Catherine Croft, Tim Morrison, David Hell, Jennifer Williams, David Holmes, Mark Sandy, 
these individuals who went before our, our, our national government to testify, we pray for them because it was a hard thing to do. We ask, Lord, your grace and mercy upon their lives that you will protect them, Father, from hurt, harm. Father, we pray for them economically that they will find positions and jobs, those that resign and those who were fired, Lord, that they can take care of their families, Lord God. We pray that their families not be in danger, that your angels would encamp about them and keep them safe, Lord, that they would hear from you that early warning signal that you can give, Lord, that tells us to move this way or that way or don't go there. Father, we pray for our president, that you would speak to his heart, Lord. The scripture says that you hold the heart of the king. And though we have a president, Lord, we ask that you would hold that heart and correct it as only you can, that you would bless that heart. And where within that human being, there are witty and wonderful inventions. Lord, let that loose in the name of Jesus, that our system may be made wholer. Lord, we pray for his heart because we're concerned about it. I don't know history and stories. People have all kinds, but you know everything, Lord. So I pray for healing of whatever's been broken, for restoration of sight so he can see those he doesn't see currently, Lord, and correction of sight so he can see those correctly who he sees now. I pray this prayer for our Congress, no matter their uh, party. Our prayers to be whole, to be healthy, to be loving. Help us in this, Lord God. Help us in this. And Lord, we don't pray for them only, but we pray for the same prayers for us. Because we know our hearts are not completely pure, but we thank you for the grace and mercy that you've shown upon us. Help us. Help me, Lord God, to call people to action, but not to be partisan, to focus on your word, Lord God, and correct me where I don't. My deepest desire is to make Jesus known and that your kingdom real. This is my prayer. This is our prayer. In Christ's name, amen. Was that okay? All right. So I think it's apropos. Before all this happened, I had thought that we would do a sermon on try a new armor. Try a new armor. It seems appropriate. Yeah? When I was, uh, well, not even when I was young. When I say the word armor, what do you guys think of? A knight in shining armor. Uh, confess, y'all forgive me if you know you don't think your pastor should be watching this show, but yeah, I was watching Game of Thrones. <laughs> so, I, I love the little girl in her armor. That was kind of cool when she showed up. I'm like, look at that. But I wanted to give a mixed picture, Jon Snow and the rest. I think of that, that kind of thing when I think of armor. Uh, people out on a battlefield fighting swords going, you know, and in today's movie making, the gorier you can make it, the better. So slash and suck, blood spurts up and all that kind of stuff, all that gore when I think of armor. And uh, so when I read scriptures like this that talk about it, 
that's the first thing that comes to mind. I thought my shoe was untied all that time. Um, and the importance of suiting up if you're going to battle. You know, it's really important. But God tells us, when we think about putting on an armor, that, that there's a different kind of armor that God is talking about. We may not suit up in this physical thing that they do, but I know as a, as a, per, as a, as a human being, this is how I used to suit up, okay? <clears throat> so I told myself, you know, you gotta be kind of tough, right? walk the street. And the, for the, some of the things I went through, my feelings were easily hurt. I had to get tough. So I really wasn't. I got a marshmallow heart, but I had to make it look tough. So I would learn, you got to make a face, okay? So I'd make the face. Smile. Don't mess with me. Stop making me smile. Don't mess with me face. And along with the face, and when I was younger, I had to have a walk. So, <laughs> stop making me smile. Stop, 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 stop. <laughs> I know. So the walk was line of light. And you see people, you know, you might not. You're walking through, but it was the, and I grew up with five boys. But, so honestly, it's probably like this. And then I got a little, you know, and nah, it's too rough, right? So I had to, for me, feminine up a little bit, you know. So now when I have heels on, I really do it. Because <laughs> you got the strut on. <laughs> but I had the walk, right? And I had to talk to myself in my head, you know? I'm like, I had to tell myself, people don't matter. Bump people. It's about me. I'm the one that matters. I got this, and I'm gonna wear that when I walk in the street. I'm gonna wear it when I walk into the classroom. I'm gonna wear it when I get on the bus. I'm gonna do it, because I had to. I had to armor up to go into the world. And this is even as a young child. Why did I have to armor up as a young person? You have all the regular stuff going on, right? But when you do one thing outside of the norm, in the neighborhood. People jump on it and it becomes a thing of ridicule, right? These are the stories of my youth I don't like telling. When I was little, wigs became fashionable. And so as a four or five year old, my mom put a wig on me and my mom sent me to school. All right, somebody understands. I heard it. You know kids, right? I would put the wig on. I would come home, take the wig off. It was no thing to me. I don't know why you want me to do this, but it's my mama, right? But as time progressed and I would get on the, the bus, I would hear, that girl got a wig on. And I was like saying, attack! And so I would ride the bus and the kids would try to snatch it off. So I would go home and put like a million hairpins I wish the first time I would have let them snatch it off so they could see it wasn't a big deal. But it became this big deal. 
So I would get threatened to get beat up and fight. And I had to fight in third grade, try to get my brothers to write letters saying, they'll beat you up if you mess with me. <laughs> Armoring up, right? And, you know, 54, I can laugh about it. But last week I had to sit with it a minute because it still hurts. It still hurts. I was in high school, had long left the wig behind, and somebody across the cafeteria yelled, didn't that girl used to wear a wig? <laughs> so it moved me. It kept moving me to, from being closer to the middle to the outside. Something's wrong with you. You're strange. We armor up. You got to get armored for the battle because people can bloody you. And those things did bloody me. They hurt me deeply. They made me doubt myself. They made me doubt my attractiveness. They made me doubt whether I should talk or just try to be quiet. And so as I say that, I know some of us are going through the stories of our own journey, right? In our own heads. My brother tells a story about, deceased brother, tells a story about uh, my dad was on strike and we had food stamps. And so he's walking with my family all around the store, getting stuff, putting it in the basket. He said when they started getting up to the cash register, he was like, embarrassed, taking them outside. We have stories. Only black person in the class, only Asian person in the class. Somebody thinks we might be um, homosexual. Armor up. I'm not. We do all of this stuff to armor up for the battle. But God is telling us uh, that we wrestle not with flesh and blood. Now listen, I'm like everybody else. That doesn't make any sense. Because I'm looking at people who are hurting my feelings. I am looking at people who are damaging me. And you want to tell me I don't wrestle against flesh and blood. I feel like I do. But the scripture says, a struggle isn't, our, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and powers, against world forces of this darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Yeah, keep up with me, Bree. Can you do the second scripture slide? I might be all over the place. But I want to go back. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm sorry. I meant me, not you. You were good. <laughs> and go back from verse 12 to verse 10. This section on putting on the armor of God that we are familiar with, right? It says, finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you will be able to stand against, stand firm against the scheme of the devil. God calls us and is calling us to a different kind of armor, an armor that is based in his strength, an armor that's based in God's might. Now, I want to believe that that armor is going to protect me like putting some metal on my chest my arms, you know, so that when a sword is swung, I can block it and I'll be good. I'm, you know, I got Wonder Woman fantasies, <laughs> you know. 
but his armor doesn't have any texture to it. There's no metal to it. His armor, forgive me for saying his all the time, her armor is soft and pliable. I want to say to God, but the bullet is going to get through, Lord. If I put on the next slide. Stand firm, having girt your loins with truth. Now, the old days, they had the, the robes, dresses. You know, men wore dresses. Let's just call it what it was. <laughs> Pulled it up, wrapped it around, put a belt around so their legs were free. And he says, gird up with truth. I know a lot of truth. I know a lot of scripture. He says, put this breastplate of righteousness, right relationships on, and wrap yourself, your chest, cover this vital part of you. On your feet, have the gospel of peace. And then take up a sh the shield of faith. And when I read that, what I hear is, your fight is not against flesh and blood, become even more vulnerable. Expose yourself to the world. But, but it's not just simply saying, here, beat me up, but it's saying, here, I'm going to share my truth like I just did with you. When I was a girl, I wore a wig. People hurt my feelings. It made, that's the girding. It made me feel like I was an outsider, breastplate. It said to me I didn't have a relationship. But when I was in high school, I came to know Jesus Christ. And I felt like I had a brother that was looking out for me. And while people still said what they said about me, the Lord called me his and was not ashamed of me before the throne. As a matter of fact, no matter how ugly I acted, because I believe in him, he would stand before God and advocate for me. He declared that I'm his and he is mine. I got family. Now, I grew up with five boys. I didn't tell y'all this part. I grew up with five boys. So, you know, after a certain age, you can't be tussling with boys. Some of them anyway, because they will hurt you, right? Come to that realization. So I had to get good with my mouth. And I had to get so good with my mouth because if you heard them, because before they know restraint and they think y'all are still equal, they may pop you. I'm testifying what I know, not what I think. <laughs> so I had to learn, I learned that I had to knock them down so they would not get up. I had to give it to them, jugular, no gang. So they learned, don't mess with her. She ain't right. She ain't going to play fair. <laughs> and I was like, nope. And so my walk and my, my armor, they would say stuff, and I'd just do like this. <laughs> you want to go there? And I'd tell them stuff like this. I ain't going nowhere but the truth. And I don't have to go no further. <laughs> right? <laughs> that was not my feet being shod in the preparation of the gospel <laughs> of peace. But in time, 
even in high school, I learned we could fight. I could let you make that comment about me having worn a wig be something. And we could go for it. I could go. Yeah, I did. Disarm it. Ah, girl, because somebody's going to ask, why you wear that wig? And it's like, I don't know, girl. I still ask my mama why she did that. <laughs> and then it's like, there's nothing. It disarms it. But there was the requirement of the shield of faith that God blessed me with when I, when I realized just how much God loved me through Christ, that I actually could do that. And I could win without somebody else losing. I didn't have to harm them. Now, I am a normal, sinful human being. I love a good comeback. I had to catch myself. But I try not to do that. Because I also learned that my words are more powerful than me punching somebody. Because I have the ability, because of what the gifts God has given me in discernment, that before I even talk to you sometimes, I know what the weakness is. And if I choose to go there, I could go there. I don't have the right. Because he told me, scripture tells me to put on a new armor. Try this armor out. You see, because if you try this armor out, you can stand firm. Because you've come to understand this, that it's not flesh and blood we're fighting. We're fighting a system that says tear down people to make yourself look better. Break up people to keep yourself safe. It says all of these negative things about what we do because we think we have to battle with people instead of what we really are called to do. Be people who bring peace and healing to the world. And it takes something to make you stop because we have all that old stuff in us to stop and not attack, but to bring grace. That we use the sword of the spirit Scripture does not say this. This is my imagination. But I feel like sometimes we can use the sword of the spirit instead of to cut you, to knight you, and to help you understand that you're royalty too. That we have to somehow break through the fear that if I expose myself and I'm vulnerable, I'm going to be hurt And that is going to somehow destroy me. We have to break through that fear. We have to learn that pain will not kill us. Tell you a story about when I had Micah. When I had Micah, I want to make sure, because you know pastors, we tell the same stories all the time. Um, (laughs) When I had Micah, I I was in the hospital, and I had been in there all night and started with back labor. And what I would do was bear against the pain. And and every contraction, I'm bearing up against the contraction. My doctor came in, and she was like, you are making this far worse than it has to be. And I went to all the classes and stuff. But all I know is that when something comes at you, you need to come back at it with the equal amount of force to make it stop. And even if you're doing like this, it's not getting to you. But that's not true. All that energy that I'm exerting can grow very painful in, in labor. It was very painful to push back up against that. And she kept telling me, let it wash over you, let it wash over you, let it wash over you. 
But I'm going to tell you honestly, I had, at 29, I had no clue what she was talking about. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't conceive it, of it until later after I had her. You have the after contractions, and I'm sitting, and I'm listening to God. And I know people don't think God talks to you or whatever. Yeah, I think so. It's been my experience. Um, so I invite you to try them. And God would say, breathe. I'm like, all right, Lord, I'm going to try to do this. And learn. And the visualization I hold is it's like walking. I, I love the movies with the, with the waterfall, and you can go under the waterfall. So it's like walking through the waterfall. You get wet, you feel the pain, but you can still pass through. We have to learn that, that we get wet in our life experiences, but we can pass through the water. We can pass through the experience and have a new armor that allows us not to, not to fight back in the same ways. We're still fighting. That's why Paul is using the analogy of armor. We're still fighting, but I'm not fighting against you. I'm fighting for you, and I'm fighting for me in this moment. The fight with my husband. I'm fighting when I remember, and it, sometimes it takes a minute. I'm not, I'm not trying to be funny because it's real. Because you get in the midst of it, right? And you're going at it, and then you remember, wait a minute, doing this wrong. I'm fighting for you. How do we develop the win-win? Why is this important? Again, we are in a church that has all this diversity. There are things people understand. There are things people don't understand. You've got the, the elections coming and independent and Democrat, Republican. All of these things that threaten us. We live in a time that is very polarizing. They threaten us. And we can't just sit back and go, oh, that won't happen here. We're not like that. Because we will definitely get our feelings hurt. I get my feelings hurt just looking at me sometimes. So we talk about them. So we can go through them. I have a very sincere feeling that our church will grow in the next year. And everybody will not be attuned to what we are attuned to. And it's going to take time to do that educating and that understanding. And the core has to be strong. The core has to know the culture of the church. The core has not only know and be aware of it, but be demonstrating behaviors that speak to it, and then a lifestyle that has embraced it so we don't get tossed to and fro. We have to stand firm. And the first thing is changing our conversation when we are offended. And for me, with my government, so it becomes a more peaceful conversation that people can hear. I'm not mad at people for being Republican. There's a reason why. And if I take time and listen to the reason, I can have a conversation. And they can understand why, right now, I'm not. And I've never been Republican. I've been independent. But that conversation. Because it's the conversation that says, I value you. It really is. Because you can roll your eyes at somebody and dismiss them in a second. 
Or you can look at them and say, how you doing? And make somebody's day. You saw them. We have to try this new armor on and see if God will really protect us with the new armor. We have to trust him in faith that it actually does work. And believe that with that new armor, not only will it work here, but it'll work in the, in the neighborhood. It'll work when we talk about politics. It'll work when we talk about the vision of the future of my family, my church, my community, my nation, my world. I believe that my life, when I engage people, I believe I'm called to make their moments and sometimes their lives better. I believe God has equipped me to do that. But guess what? I believe that about each and every one of you. This is the work we're called to do. I pray we do it in spite of the fear, overcoming the fear, for the joy that is set before us, that we can create belonging in our nation. Amen? Amen. Lord, thanks so much for the time to talk. I pray you bless the words, Father. Anything that I said was of me, Lord, I pray that, that people don't remember it and hold on to the truth that came from you, that will grow up to be firmly rooted in you. Thank you for this congregation called Mosaic and what you're doing to us and through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.